good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? It is 9.47 p.m. March 29th, 2023. We have three mid-majors in the final four. We have Conference USA dominating the College Basketball Invitational and the NIT. The Bearcats are nowhere to be seen. The transfer portal seems to be empty for us. And Wes Miller is still wearing Ferragamos. It is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat basketball fan, baby. Let's go. Indeed, it is quite the intro. It's almost yet Wes Miller still wears Ferragamos. Like, despite all of the bad happenings, despite the... In all honesty, it's been a fantastic NCAA tournament. Thoroughly entertaining. Surprises abound. Our, Our bitter rival... Are you not picking up what I just threw down? You're not picking up what I just threw down. I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt the throwing it back to you. There is a chance here that Conference USA runs the table on every postseason tournament this year. Conference USA could have a college, which basketball invitation, which no one cares about, NIT, which no one cares about, and a national championship, all from Conference USA. Best college basketball conference in in the country I, I you said it first cheers cheers to conference usa in honor of uh go beer cats our buddy go beer cats i'm drinking a glutenberg pale ale what are you drinking hum i'm drinking a hacker shore <laughs> Muniker gold it was the beer on the beer on sale the german beer on sale at costco there you go. There you go. That's not strictly... sponsors of the pod. They're not sponsors. All right, Costco. These are not sponsors. They're not sponsors. Not sponsors. You know who is kind of a sponsor, not really sponsoring it, but a true partner in crime in terms of what we're doing here at Cincy Slangin', the Go Beer Cats podcast with Brandon. And for those who who haven't checked out uh, Go Beer Cats, you need to do it. You also need to go check out Viva La Cats. Uh, Justin, Steve doing their thing. You know why I'm recommending this podcast, Summer? And and trust me, we have never, we have never in the history of the show recommended other Bearcat podcasts. But those two, those two podcasts have have joined with us to start the Cat Skeller Social Club, which I must say, hum, we're about four weeks in. It is firing on all cylinders. CatSkellerSocial.club is where you'll find written content. You'll see Steve Mowers. Wildly cool breakdown of the uniform situation for the Bearcats over the past year, their records, how we performed in each each set. You'll read a piece by Chris Baines where he gets into how to actually evaluate this season, whether it was a success, whether it was a failure. How would you classify this past basketball season? You'll read me writing about the uh, or handing out awards through the through the prism of our favorite TV show, Succession. My point is, lots of creativity happening on that website. CatSkellerSocial.club is popping off. We appreciate everyone's support, everyone who's following along. And I'd be remiss if I also didn't say, join that shitty-ass Discord, my friends. The Discord is live. Join it. The shitty Discord run by those other people. (laughs) 
let's <laughs> let's make sure we get that right. The other people. Uh, here's who these other people are. We're just a bunch of fans. We're out here. We're talking hoops. We're talking football. And frankly, we got no ties to the program except that we were students once, and that we've been lifelong fans. So, can we ready to get into it? I'm ready to get into it. The last podcast we recorded was, I think I titled it along the lines of the road to NIT glory continues. And at that point, the, <laughs> the Bearcats were alive and well on their NIT journey to becoming a champion to, you know, you and I purchasing t-shirts. I, I got to be honest, we were one win away from me going and saying, fuck it. I'm getting the tattoo. If we win this thing to now, really? we can, you were, we, you were that you were that close for the content, my friend, for the content. But so now do it for the, you were about to do it for the story. I was about to do it for the for the CSC. What I'll say now is we can go back to reality, which is caring very little about the outcomes of these NIT basketball games, because I've been saying it all along. What actually happened those, in those games was of little consequence in terms of long term prospects, in terms of short term prospects. These were additional games. They were opportunities to wash that horrible Houston defeat out of our mouth. And we did that. We we defeated Virginia Tech. We defeated Hofstra. Lost to Utah Valley at their place. Rocking environment. Very entertaining game. Just couldn't get over the hump. Um, but now we can kind of move forward. Is there anything else I, that's really worth talking about from the NIT's pr perspective? I mean, let's take into account, too, that when you look at the 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 prison the NIT from the prism of of where the bear of me the Bearcats fan, we got the first game at home, and we brought a rocking crowd. It shows to me that Bearcat fans still care. It doesn't matter if it's the NIT or not. We still care. We support this team. We're here. That's a good thing when it comes to recruits recruiting on the trail. They care. They don't want to play necessarily for empty gyms. Some people don't, at least. That's why you get guys who are over at Temple looking to come to Cincinnati because you play at Temple. You're in the AAC. You're still in the AAC. You get a chance playing the Big 12 in front of a Big 12 crowd, the Cincinnati crowd. That being said, we voluntarily gave up two home games to make sure that our home court was getting resurfaced and fixed and ready in time for one graduation and two Big 12 photo ops come, come July. We played two of these games on the road and they weren't the exactly the friendliest crowds in terms of loudness, in terms of it, they were true road games. And we didn't necessarily disappoint, at least in one of them, Hofstra. We came out, we put a strong showing up against Hofstra. We did have our, our struggles. Utah Valley State, we or Utah Valley, whatever the hell they're, are they a state? Are they a, a, a town? I don't know. It doesn't matter. We didn't really show up against them. It was brick after brick after brick, but we were getting open looks after open looks after open looks. Sometimes the shots just aren't falling. That's what happened. It's fine. It's fair. Whatever. It's the NIT. It's a road game. I'm not, I, I'm at the end of the day, I, I, I can go, like you said, I can go back to not caring about the NIT because I didn't, someone had to tell me that Utah Valley lost to UAB. I didn't watch it. Did you guys go out and watch it? No. If you did, good on you. If you did, you're like, you know, Mitch. Mitch from Canada watched it. I would also That's say fair. that, you know, there's there's college basketball junkies out there. There's degenerates out there. 
We welcome I bet on, Could I bet on it? I don't even think I was able to bet on this game. That's why I was like, oh, oh can't even bet on this game. I watched it to to take a look at what is going to likely be the number one transfer in the portal. Aziz. Um, Aziz, my friend. <laughs> that that guy put on an absolute show. He inspired me to make one of the probably the worst videos I've ever made, where it was a combination of you know Aziz haunting my nightmares. Uh, mixed with Slender Man, I don't think anybody understood it. The reality how do we is, capture the how how do we recapture the moment of our conversation about him comparing him to um, our our Lord and Savior Victor Locken? Is there a way to recapture the magic of where I say Victor Locken is? He's good from a technical standpoint of of in my like maybe knowing the game, but he's not the most athletic big. Whereas Aziz is, a f- he's athletic. He can move. He can move quickly. He can get the ball from from the from the from the elbow and drive into the hole with ease and make a move. Where I think that it sometimes that's tough tougher for Vic. Look, before I get into Vic and and the slander that you continue to throw forth here, I, I do want to put respect on Aziz Bandego's name. This is a name that. Again, I expect to enter the portal because he I'm is not going a, after him, by the way. I don't, I don't even think we're a target portal. I don't even think we're targeting from what I see. He's, but, he's out yeah. of our he's out of our NIL league, my friend. This is, you know, he's probably he's probably looking to follow Madsen to California, who did just accept that job. A bitter rival of his alma mater, Stanford, actually. But Bandego, Bandego blocks shots, moves well. He just he basically he terrorized Victor Locken for 40 minutes and had Victor Locken in his own head, missing an easy, you know, three footer, four footer at the end of the game that would have kept the Bearcats in it and have, you know, a puncher's chance of maybe pulling off the comeback. That's beside the point. I need you to relax with the, with the Victor Locken skepticism that you've been throwing forth to me personally in your phone calls. Is it and, skepticism? And on this podcast. Is it, it skepticism? It feels like skepticism. It feels like skepticism. Yes. I think it's it's taking a look at Victor Watkins and what his skill set is and, and realizing that he is limited from an athleticism standpoint. He's not the most athletic big. And so he is, in fact, a true five, where the modern game of basketball has moved to a a person more along the lines of Trey Scott, who has the ability to play both the four and the five. Who's highly athletic. Okay. He's not Trey Scott athletic, but he's also four inches taller than Trey Scott, three inches taller than Trey Scott. Longer wingspan, better rim protection. Would you rather have a Trey Scott profile or Victor Locken on your, on your squad right now? I know it's not an option. I know it's, it's a very hypothetical, but I'm just given the profile of a player like Trey Scott, four inches shorter, more athletic, more agile can play both the four and the five and can do them interchangeably versus someone who can only play the five. That's their only position they can play, but he's not dominant when he does it. All right. This is, this is an interesting conversation. Victor Locken is 21 years old. He has at least two years of basketball left to play at the university of Cincinnati. He took an enormous leap this season. In my opinion, by far the biggest leap on this team. He went to double-digit points. 
seven-ish rebounds a game, rim protection that was consistent when he was on the court, a block rate that was sixth best in the American Athletic, 106th in the, in the entire country. He's a very good rim protector. And again, he's doing this in his second year of playing college basketball. And so when I look at him and say, okay, 6'11", he's not some plotting Abdullah do. He's not plotting. He can move his feet. He can get around. He can shift. Like he's not stuck in the mud. When we when we rebound the ball, he can get out on the break and run with the guards and fill the lane. Now, now we consider the fact that he's also going from 21 to 22 and then theoretically 22 to 23. There's going to be strength acquisition happening in the offseason. He's going to fill out. He's going to get that man strength in the next two years. And you look at the field goal percentage, the ability to finish around the rim, the ability to block shots around the rim. If you add man strength into that and and, and look at this guy, he's going to become a very, very solid big, uh, big for the Bearcats. And it's I've had enough of people writing him off and dismissing him as someone who can't it's, hang in the Big 12. It's Project not me writing him off. It's, Project it's his not, physical development, and he can hang in the Big 12. It's not me writing him off. That's not me writing him off. I'm just wondering if there is an actual physical limitation of what we can do with him in terms of the game, in terms of rotation, in terms of set, in terms of personnel when he's on the court. Are there is he a liability at a certain point? You say 106 in rim protection, but do we need even better than that? Right? Do we need someone who's better than that at rim protection? Because we are moving into the best basketball conference in the league. But you bring up an interesting point when you talk about, you know, he's 21 going to 22, right? How the, the leap he made this year. And there's one thing, and and I'm just curious, we haven't been seeing any of the monster factory photos. What's going on there? Are we about to see, are we going to see the monster factory the way we needed to see it? Bring back the monster factory. Bring back the monster factory. I mean, I love Ray felt glad he's here. This was not a season where you would look at the team, look at the results physically and say, yeah, we're, we're one of the best physically conditioned teams in the country. That's not something that's not some, that's not a way I would describe last year's team. And in terms of physical development year over year, I mean, there's guys you could point to on this roster and say, where is it? Me personally, I'm attributing it to to individual individual effort, individual work ethic. There are guys like David DeJulius, who's clearly in the monster factory. There are guys like Odio Guama, who's literally born and built for the monster factory. But then, and I, and I would say Victor Locken, to an extent, made significant strides this year. He was like a baby deer his first year playing on the court. Less, less of a baby deer this year. And give him one more season, give him two more seasons, I mean, it's going to go up. It's going to ramp up significantly. So, yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to get back to a place in Bearcat basketball where we just overall the the whole team, the the essence of the team is Monster Factory and not just a few players. Well, I guess that leads. I'm not going to lead into anything. I guess when we're talking about Victor Locken, and when we talk about what's kind of needed, in my opinion going into this off season. And I know we're definitely going to get into the, the transfer portal here. I'm thinking we need to add a, not a big, we don't, I don't think we need a true center. We don't need another Victor Locken. We need an 
athletic hybrid four or five. We need a modern four. I, need I a agree. Gary Clarkish, a Gary Clarkish type of, of I, big. I don't even have to go as far as Gary Clark. I think describing Trey Scott would be the ideal fit on this basketball team. If you could somehow find a guy with Trey Scott affinity for defense, affinity for rebounding, ability to move your feet, defend multiple positions and switch out on guards and ability to not be a high usage offensive player, spot up, hit some spot up shots, offensive rebound. That would be ideal. And speaking of Trey Scott, I just wanted to circle back to this Victor Locken, what his production was at age 21 in his second season playing with the Bearcats and what it turned into, what I think it could turn into age 22, age 23. Trey Scott redshirted with the Bearcats. He went on to play 10 minutes a game his freshman year, and he averaged three points a game and 2.6 rebounds a game. His sophomore season, age 21, literally the same age Victor Locken is and was during this past season. Trey Scott played 36 games, started none of them, played 12.5 minutes per game, scored 3.1 points per game, grabbed 3.6 rebounds per game, 0.2 blocks per game, 0.4 steals per game. This is not an indictment on who Trey Scott is. It's a quick reminder to people that growth is not linear and that it scales rapidly as you get older. Trey Scott went then from to nine, nine points, seven boards that next season up to 11 points, 10 boards his senior year. Folks, Victor Locken's best years are ahead of him. Do not jump the gun and overreact to a finishing stretch of basketball where he's coming off an ankle injury on a team with guards who didn't consistently get him the ball in advantageous positions and looking over the fact that he also still averaged 11-7, very good field goal percentage, very good block rate. This dude's legit. All right, just answer me one question. Yes or no? Yes or no? Come on. Come on. You got to give me the answer here. Yeah? All right. What's the question? Yes or no what? Do Hensley next. Hopefully he responds, guys. I just asked John Rothstein to he 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 put the tweet about Odio Guama and the Discord channel said someone ask. Uh someone said do Hens ask him to do Hensley next. So guys, I did it. I asked John Rothstein to do Hensley next. <laughs> now yeah, it's all coming for a circle. I don't text during the show, but here No, it's 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 all right, guys. This is what's fun about the social club, right? Like we're here, we're live, we're engaged, baby. Uh, no, I, I get what you're saying and it, and it makes sense. And I, I think that Wes Miller is actually going out and trying to find a compliment to Victor Locken, because if you can have like, um, we're using Trey Scott as like the prototypical example of what you would want, but imagine having him and Victor Locken on the court at the same time. That's like having Victor Locken is Chris vote. If he actually had talent and actually had skill and actually had muscles and basketball IQ and wasn't the nephew of John Brandon. Victor Locken is actually a good basketball player. Put him and pairing him with Trey Scott on the court at the same time would be incredible. 
find another big who's athletic, who can block, who can rebound, who, who can, who can drive and dribble and pass and vision. It's going to be amazing. And I think that's what we're looking for when we see these reports of who Wes Miller is out there interviewing or, or doing zoom calls with that's the profile of the type of player he's going for a more athletic hybrid, maybe a little less height, but a little more athletic and that's fine. I think it's good. Well, I mean, Lampkin from, from TCU Reynolds from temple. These are both guys that we've been, you know, attached to in terms of portal rumors. These are guys who are very beefy and they're very big and it's not, it's not a profile that would match up with Trey Scott per se, but it is more evidence that would point to if there are going to be open spots this next season, which we can surmise right now, there's at least one, right? Cause Landers Nolly did declare for the NBA draft. He is playing in that invitational that would, that I think out of 64 players last season that played in this invitational, only one of them came back to college and did and have a small suspension. That, and can I say like, I saw like sports illustrator or something reported that I guess not going to impact his eligibility, but what you just said, completely goes counter counterintuitive to that, that it in fact is going to, because the one player did come back face a suspension. Yeah. One player did. He did face a suspension. Wasn't season long or anything. And, but I think it's more telling that most players didn't come back. And Landers Nolly is not a clear cut NBA draft prospect. I think size wise, he, he he has it. He's got he's six seven. He's not the most explosive athlete. He also wouldn't be relied on in the NBA or most professional leagues for that matter to be like a, a go-to scorer as consistently. He's he should be more of like a shooter defender, but he doesn't do much defending. But he also has room for improvement when it comes to more fitness, more explosiveness. So we'll see how it shakes out. I just think I guess the only certainty we got is if he does come back to college, it does appear that he would be a Bearcat. So we don't have to worry about any additional shifting around. Um, It's just, it's a question mark as to whether or not he does come back. But with that being the only portal spot open, I am pleased that the, the names we're connected to in the portal at this point are big men because going into the big 12, that was a deficiency this season with Victor Locken going down. We basically had, zero depth we were we were relying overly overly reliant on Odio Guama and Kalua Zikbe was a massive disappointment in his one year with the Bearcats we need to have much more depth in the in the first year with the Big 12 yeah I I, I also think Nanders I don't think Landers coming back I don't think Landers coming back he goes to this thing and at the end of the day there's one thing we know which is the NIL collective which is in ex facto the budget for the roster is behind that of other other collectives that needs we need some catching we have some catching up to do landers nolly may not get drafted to the nba after probably won't at least in my opinion i wouldn't say he's a draft prospect to the nba but he probably could make more money playing in G League playing overseas, playing somewhere other than college basketball at this point with the skill set that he possesses. I don't see him going to, you know, one of the a school. Let's put it this way: a school with more resources than Cincinnati. 
I don't see him getting paid to go somewhere else to provide exceptional value to make someone have that push for the final four, right? At this point, we're starting to think of how can you get guys in the transport to give you the push uh, to that next level? How do we get to the elite eights? How do we get to the final fours? And I don't see Landers Nolly as the guy that's getting you that push on some of these other rosters that he's the missing piece. So I think he goes elsewhere to find his buck. And that's fine with me. I get it. I would do the same thing. Go get your money while you can, because it's only going to last so long. Go and get it. You know who Landers Nolly kind of reminded me of? And it's it's a pretty apt comparison. If you don't think so, let me know. But Johnny Juzang from UCLA gave me, Landers Nolly reminded me of him. Juzang was 6'6", is 6'6", wasn't a very explosive athlete, operated largely in the mid-range while at UCLA, but could extend out the three-point range and came back for that extra year of college because he, you know, maybe when his stock was high on that, on that, I think it was that final four run they went on during Nick's second season with the team. It, it see he could have went to the NBA draft. Maybe he would have been a late first round pick, decided to come back. Stock went down even further. Now he's playing in the G League. He's 22 years old. In the G League, he's averaging 19 points a game, five boards, and did just sign a two-way contract with Salt Lake City. I don't see that much of a difference in terms of what Landers Nolly can bring to the table and what Johnny Juzang can bring to the table. So, and especially when with the shooting you saw from Landers Nolly down the stretch, which was on some pretty questionable shot selection at times. And if you clean that up, this is a guy who's a who's very much a knockdown three-point shooter. And he has really good size and can play positions that are, you know, very highly coveted at the next level. So I I tend to agree with you. If I was a betting man, Landers Nolly is not playing college basketball next season and ends up probably G League as his landing spot. And like I said, nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm all for We would all do the all. same thing. We would all do the same thing, man. Go go get go get yours. Go get what you go get what you deserve. Yeah, no, no shame whatsoever. Um, the G League does have better visibility than it used to. It's it's you do see players go from G League to NBA more than you used to. It's, it's is more of a true developmental league at this point. So you know, for folks who maybe are are poo pooing that idea, I don't think it's that far fetched. There's no, no reason the you difference... can't continue developing in the G League, whereas you know, versus Big Twelve basketball, you can develop in both. The only difference between G League and college basketball is that there is there is more talent in the G League because you can only play so many years in college basketball before you are forced to go to the G League. And they cut you when you don't make the G League. You don't get to keep your scholarship. It's not it's not a it's not a charity league. It's you're gone. Either be the best or we cut you. Have something that to offer us or we cut you. The, di- the biggest difference there is when it comes to money is that the universities have a following based off alumni brand equity. The G league doesn't have brand equity, which, which is fine. If that's because that's, they're, they're not going to build that overnight. And it's um, frankly, minor league baseball doesn't have a big following and it's never going to, neither is the G league. The only reason NCAA basketball has a following is because of the brands that they built over years of being amateur basketball. So at the end of the day, that's where you, that's where you go for the developmental. They're going to pay you. 
They're going to pay you because they want to hold on to you because you might have value for them at the NBA level. As good of analysis as you'll get on that topic. Yeah. I did want to, this is a terrible transition. There's, there's no effort to actually <laughs> transition here, but it is yeah, something. So, yeah. You, know, you just had just a very, you just had a, I just had a very just distinct point. There's yeah. no way to train soft transition. This is a hard stop. We're moving on to the next topic. Yeah. Like, you know, speaking of development, our, our portal action is developing slowly. So I ask transfer portal and the lack of news, that news being Odio Guama returning and Land Landers Nolly departing. And we're attached to several players in the portal, but we're not really sure where their spots are coming from or if they're coming transfer portal panic or don't panic where are you at right now i have turned the hot water to the middle or all the way up if you would maybe to panic but i've also turned the cold water halfway up to make the water lukewarm here i see this neither as great or good i see this as the on one hand not players not wanting to leave. Look at look, look at the logic that we have here. Look at the roster construction that we currently have. We've only lost three, four if you include Landers, right? So let's let's take that out for a second. But the three, the three seniors we know that are leaving are already replaced. Dede, Ravon, and Jizzle, right? So if you're bringing that in, three freshmen and a JUCO transfer, everybody else staying. Ma knows he's probably not losing significant playing time handling the basketball. We don't have a senior leader dribbling the ball up the court. So he, he thinks that my playing time's safe and Jeremiah Davenport, Cincinnati kid, he doesn't want, I doubt he wants to leave where he doesn't, I doubt he wants to go to California at this point in his basketball. I don't know. I'm just thinking from gut here, but my, my point is the way this roster is constructed, these players who are here still are going to see playing time because it's a necessity. There's no one leaving, right? If everybody stays, it's the roster basically remains the same. You have to have freshmen replace you. So you're telling, you're saying to yourself, well, let these freshmen outplay me. But that's also saying to me that these guys love Wes Miller. They love playing for Wes Miller. They believe in Wes Miller's vision. And that gives me hope. But it also gives it also gives me fear because we've seen what they can do. But the biggest thing it gives me is we get to see what Wes Miller is truly made of as a coach next year because the control variables have stayed the same. Are you a good coach or are you not? Are you, are we going to see improvement from players? Are we going to see, are we going to see you squeezing the best out of the talent that you have on the roster to improve over last year? Or are we going to slide? Are we going to see the same type of player? We're going to see the same mistakes, the same terrible shot, shot selection. So that part I think is like the, a positive is that, we do we will get to see West Miller and what his medal is on the flip side. If we see people depart, then we get to see what West Miller's right is really like on the recruiting trail. Are you actually an elite recruiter? It's an interesting, it's an interesting thought. And I, I can see where you're trying to go with it. You know, if just because you know, bringing back the same guys, most fans look at it like a losing proposition because most fans can't envision 
the experienced players on this team taking steps forward. And, and I, in many ways, am one of those people. I think some of it is there's physical limitations. I think that we've seen very um, almost almost impossible amounts of self-delusion with some of these players who just refuse to tweak how they play the game and adjust. And You're it's, my dad and, part. and it's yeah, it's led it's led them to being, you know, as inefficient as they've ever been, you know, their senior year. And that just shouldn't happen. I also think the problem with your theory is you bring back everybody, you add, you know, two freshmen and a junior college transfer. And let's say, you know, you fill Landers and Ali's spot. Wait, let's, let's, not just a junior college transfer. This is the number four ranked junior college transfer in the country. And we have had success historically with high rated junior college transfers. Yeah. And a lot of was, a lot of that was in the early 2000s or the 90s. Like how relevant is that actually today? I have no idea. How relevant? Like- we'll find out. But we have had success with it. We can't just write it off as, oh, some Juco player coming here. No, like he's highly recruited. We've actually got to see him play at a higher level, higher than high school. We've got to see him actually play at a higher level. We get a little bit of what's out there and it doesn't cost us a whole lot of equity. And we get him for a couple, we get him for two years. You're ignoring the fact that all of those guys you're bringing back and the ones you're, you're adding to the fold are replacing are you know a huge chunk of our offensive production? David DeJulius and Landers Nolly. Landers Nolly the second that is. Sorry, Landers Nolly the second hasn't been replaced yet. He's the guy that we're going to the portal to find. But we're likely going to be going after a big in that spot. We're not finding an offensive juggernaut. David David DeJulius's production is theoretically being replaced by Day Day. I think I I like the angle that next year shows and is a reflection of West Miller's coaching chops. But I think that losing to Julius and Nolly is too obvious of a built-in excuse to just accept bad results. And so for me, knowing you're moving into the big 12, knowing that the level of competition is going up significantly. And I'm not just talking about talent. I'm talking about coaching, like the coaching we're going to see, in the Big 12 is night and day. You've obviously Kelvin Sampson's coming along to the Big 12, who I think is a top five coach in America. You've also got Jerome Tang, who proved himself to be ex- exactly what Kansas State thought they might be getting. He took Kansas State from being projected last in the Big 12 to making the Elite Eight in his first year on the back of incredibly creative coaching. You saw wildly cool out of timeout plays where they're running like screen passes similar to the chiefs. You're seeing him run a fake dispute with his point guard that leads to an incredible alley-oop dunk to Keontae Johnson with less than a minute to go in the game to take a lead. You know, we're not, this isn't Kansas anymore, Hummer, except it is. We're going to be playing fucking yeah, Kansas. You're also, you're also seeing that stuff in the NCAA tournament where this is the end of the line. This is survive in advance. This is do what you need to do. This is the craziest play that you've had all year. We've seen the Bearcats in history run plays like that. Granted, it was also what you would describe as a top five coach, if not of all time, top 10 coach of all time, and Bob Huggins calling the the uh, the airmail against Duke. I mean, you're going to see that in the tournaments. And 
And so great. I'm glad we're seeing that. The question, the thing is though, right now where the Bearcats program is and where Wes Miller picked it up is he picked it up at rock. God, fuck you, John Rothstein. Fuck you. He picked it up at rock bottom. He picked it up as we just fired a coach after two years. The whole team was ready to transfer. You have to not only soothe over those players to get some of them to return. So you actually have a fucking roster put together. It's not made of just, you know, city transfers who had knew they have no chance of winning, even in um, one of America's, I don't even know what you want to describe the American athletic conference in terms of mid majors. I would just Houston call it a t- being the only, the only good team in the American athletic actually being Houston. By the to- end, it was just an incredibly depressing conference. That's Thank how you. I would describe it. There was no buzz. Like you look at the American athletic tournament, there's no buzz to that. And also having, and we said, I said this on the last pod, you had an alumni base, not us, the alumni, the actual fans, the alumni base of former players against you because of false reporting in that we had Eric Martin being the guy who was the, everybody thinking it was going to be Eric Martin. So like there was so much going against him that yes, he's had to build this up and we are not, it sucks guys. Let's grip the reality here. Our NIL collective has just gotten started. It's not there. We don't have the funds to go out and get the number one guy in the portal. We don't have the funds to build a squad of the top 20 uh, out of the top. Let's go. Let's widen it to the top 50 and go get three of the top 50 portal guys. We don't have the funds to go get three of them to build a roster to get us there. But what we do have at this point is a roster of veterans. We have a roster for the Atlantic University doesn't have a bunch of transfers. They have a bunch of guys who stuck together, a bunch of guys who know the culture, who've played together. This is seriously, this is where Wes Miller needs to shine. Be a coach, get more out of your guys, get these guys to outperform what their expectations are. Dan Hurley has been with UConn since 2018. It took him three years to get to the NCAA tournament. I'm not saying Wes Miller's bar is lowered because we're going to the big 12, I'm saying it's the same. It's always been, I expect the tournament next year. We didn't make the end. We didn't make postseason his first year. We made the NIT this year. I expect NCAA tournament making next year. And I don't care that we're in the big 12. I think that he's going to have experience on his back. He's going to have, he has the, the his recruits and a transfer uh, recruits coming in and he's going to have a transfer at least one. What we can do it. What are you talking about with the experience thing? The team we just watched for the entire season had grew. massive amounts of experience. And they grew throughout the year. They became a much better team between the beginning of the year and the end of the year. Hummer, Jeremiah this Davenport. Team, this team at the end of the year is beating Arizona at the beginning of the year. This Jeremiah, team at the beginning of the year is beating no, Northern Kentucky. They're not. Yeah, is. We didn't beat one team of consequence all year. How can you possibly say that? We were a much better team at the end of the year than we were at the beginning. The same end of the year that featured a 16-point collapse at East Carolina? Yeah. The same end of the year that featured the same old beatdown by Houston? The same end of the year that featured us losing to Utah Valley? The only type of team we played at the end of the year that had equal or better Ken Palm or similar ratings to us? Hummer, we didn't beat anybody last year. And our team was full of experience. Mike Adams-Woods, four years. Jeremiah Davenport, four years. Landers Nolly, five years? David DeJulius, four or five? Like, this was an incredibly experienced team. And they didn't didn't, didn't cut it in the American Athletics. So why 
how on earth would you expect it to cut it in the Big 12? Which to me, what I just want to make sure we're doing is if if Wes Miller is inclined to bring it back and run it back, except for a couple minor changes around the edges, you know, a couple cosmetic changes, a new slab of paint. I don't want to hear a peep next season about talent because this is, these are choices. These are rostered choices. We've, we've said this all year long though. This team wasn't really deficient on talent. And it wasn't good though. It wasn't good enough, but it got, it did so what, get if it wasn't better. short on talent, what was it short on, Hummer? It did get better throughout the end of the year. We got better. We played better basketball. Now in stretches, is, in stretches, rarely for full fine. games. Let's rarely put for it together. We let's couldn't put, put it together. Three, we couldn't put, put three games whole, together. Put it together for a whole season now. Let's go. Why can't we? What evidence? What evidence do you have? Like what? This is fantasy land. I don't even know what. What? How could you say that? we had shitty results the first year with the same core of guys. We had better results this year with the same core guys. The first year we had one, one, do we even call Illinois an actual win? It was coffee, coffee's first game back. Super rusty. Do we really call that a Kofi. victory? <laughs> you do, you do call it a victory. You do call it a victory. I know it was, it was hot shooting from three, but it was, it was a solid game. They defended well. Illinois did miss some shots. And they but, went on to play Arkansas incredibly fine. close the next game. That was actually the best two-game stretch of West Miller's tenure with UC. A one-and-one one stretch where they beat Illinois and then lost to Arkansas by only a few points. We beat Illinois with coffee, Kofi, coming off of off of a suspension, first game back. Play Arkansas close, but great. We played Xavier close. We lost. It happens. My point is we saw improvement with the way they played. Moving the ball, less hero ball. We saw this team regress to hero ball against tight teams in close games against good teams, Houston, the Memphises. Yes, did we have collapses against East Carolina? Sure. Welcome. This isn't a great team. Next year's, that's all I'm saying. I hope I have. It's so, I don't know what you're saying, Hummer. You keep telling me that it wasn't a great team this season. But it's we saw losing. improvement. All it's we saw losing. was improvement. To me, it's losing the second and it's third college, best It's players. college basketball. It's college basketball. This isn't – we don't have the budget to go out there and be a fucking Kansas and buy See, the best that's, players. That's a cop-out because – It's not a cop-out. Right. No, no. We can't maybe get top 10, top 15, top 25 portal players We can't even get top maybe. 10 recruits with paying for it. We just got out-bought by USC. It's obvious. There are thousands, literally thousands of players in the portal – there are diamonds out there to be found and uncovered. And you know what? It needs to be better than Rob Finnessy. So you have it should to be go better find, than Kalua Zikbe. You he have can to go find, find better options than that. We can do better than that. You have to go find the diamonds. Yeah, it can be done. But at the same time, there's also a certain dollar amount attached to it. And at the same time, you're just not going to find them. Sometimes you're going to whiff and miss. It happens. I, Hummer, not everyone's getting hundreds of thousands of dollars. Okay. Not everyone. I'm okay? just, I'm not, this isn't doom and gloom. I think the way Wes Miller's contract is set up is to give him time and a runway. And I'm fine with it because at the end of the day, at the at the end of the day, the way UC is going to win is not by going to the portal and cutting five guys every year to find five new guys. It's going to be bringing in three guys with multiple years, finding a couple guys to fill gaps, maybe for a year or two, but then you're going to bring in three new guys and keep building and having a roster of talent. Right now we're filtering out the talent that John Brandon brought in here. 
that was left over from that era. We're still filtering it out. We're filtering out Maul. We're filtering out DDJ. We're all asking for them to leave, but they won't. That's not his problem in a sense. It is He is, has a contract that is allowing him to filter these guys out. Someone is telling him to do it the right way. He is getting permission from the administration to do it. I'm going to put quotations on this when I say the right way, because our view of the right way is to just say, go, leave, push them out. Go get, go get portal guys to replace four guys on the roster. Here's where that argument completely falls apart. Because what you're saying is bullshit. Okay? He does have a runway. But when I watch him recruit, and when I watch him fill our roster spots, this last season, he didn't fill it with young talent that he would develop over multiple seasons. He filled it with Kalua Zikpe, a one-year flyer, who was meant to offer immediate front court help. He filled it with Rob Finnessy, a one-year flyer, from Indiana, who averaged five points a game, two assists, and shot 30% from the field because he wanted immediate defensive help on the wing. He filled it with Landers Nolly, who is a big-time portal get, by the way. I might I might have you know, was a big-time portal get and not meant to be some like long-term investment. This was a one-year flyer who was meant to help him win games right away and compete for the tournament. And now this season... And, and over the past two years, we've seen him recruit for Isaiah Collier, who's not meant to be some long-term investment. That is the guy who was dominating the McDonald's All-American game until missing two free throws late to lose the game. Shout out to Isaiah Collier. He's awesome. That was meant to be a one-year investment to get us right back in the national conversation. And I might also have you know that recruiting Flory Badunga, that's also not a long-term project. This is a top three top two player in the 2024 class who could potentially reclassify. But if he doesn't, this is still another guy who would be flirting with one and done basketball. None of that Hummer, none of that is long-term rebuild or slow build. All of that is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You ready? Ready for this? You ready for this? You ready for this mastery? You named three guys, three guys who will not be on the roster next year. Right. All three of those guys have been replaced with long-term people. Stop gap filled. Dude, he's strategizing with, you don't give five freshmen. You don't go and recruit five freshmen in a year. You stagger them that we get experience built up into the roster. So now you have Reed skillings next year. You have Jizzle and you have Ravon. Then you have, you have Day Day, who has two years. Boom, you're layering the experience. Then the following year, you have four to five guys leaving this roster to fill with what? Two freshmen, three transfers, three freshmen, two transfers. Dude, it's there. It's there. It, it's there. It's there. It's laying out in front of us what's going to happen. If these guys come back, great. Next year, it is, in fact, unfortunately, a rebuilding year. But we will be, in fact, losing a bunch of people next year because they have to go. They are seniors. We will be replacing them with more freshmen, with more transfers. And on top of that, having a, at this point, that'll be a junior Skillings, who we hope has a massive jump next year because he had a great freshman year. Maybe a, a He's a sophomore that I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about. Oh, the year after. I'm sorry. The year after we lose all three, all four. Okay. I think you're I- talking about the year after the year that you went from literally minutes ago describing as, hey, these guys have more experience. This is where really going to be a measure of West Miller's coaching no, no, no. abilities. We're going to be even better. And now you're literally calling it a tanking year 
so that we can clear I'm the roster I'm not calling spots. it a tanking here. I'm not calling it a tanking here. I'm calling it we get to see can Wes Miller actually coach. Can he get more out of these players? Can we see better basketball against better talent? Are we going to win more games? Absolutely not. It's about playing better basketball. You and I know that we can see that. We can see if these guys are playing better basketball against better talent. That's, that's not. We can see if they're making better shot selection, if they're rebounding better. They still might lose to a Kansas. They still might lose to a Kansas State. But at the end of the day, we can see if they're playing better basketball. But point is, you're not going to – you're saying like, oh, can he recruit? Can he do this? It's it's like, all right, what are we going to do, bring in five freshmen this year? I've no. been relatively hard on West we, this year, and I, I – this is – I think you're almost doing it backwards. Like seeing – I'm not hard on coach. Him. I'm saying I am relatively hard on him, but you going from like, I look at it like if we want to evaluate his coaching with the talent is currently construction constructed, it should have been during a 2022, 2023 season when we were playing against the American athletic, when we did have a, a good number of chances to actually pull off victories against teams with equal or better talent. And we did none of that. In fact, as I've said before, we had more notable, terrible losses than notable wins, which was zero. Okay. And yet you're expecting him to lose Landers and David DeJulius. Take the competition level up multiple pegs. And now we're going to evaluate whether he can coach or not. Next season, if he's running back the same team, I know what's going to happen. I think we're past the point. I think we're past the point of, in my mind, I guess I'm saying it because we're past the point of, there are no there are no excuses in terms of there are plenty bottom. of excuses. No, 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 no. The, the excuses are gone. You are no longer picking up the program from the bottom of its worst day in history or whatever the fuck John Rothstein called it. We're past that point. It's done. You've had two years. This is the third year of of you instituting your program and your values and your system. It's here. Show us what you can do with it, with the players that you have. Like, upset someone. Give us some upsets. Win some good games. Are we going to win the Big 12? No. No, no chance in hell. But win some big games. Give us some good stuff to hang our hats on. But at the end of the day, I think he's actually building a program. I think it's being built. And what's annoying me, and you're asking why I'm upset, and it wasn't just the Reds fan stuff, is that, Oh, it's basically almost like there's an expectation that next year needs to be final four quality, final four runness from the fan base. Like, get rid of these five players and we'll just bring in these people and we'll be final four ready. That's not, not how it fucking works. And it's not how it works. Even in the age of NIL, that's not how it works, especially at UC, because we know for a fact we're behind the ball in NIL. We're not competing with the top 10 programs. In NIL, we're not. We're not probably not top twenty-five. In fact, yeah, we're not yeah. in the top twenty-five. We're not even competing with the top twenty-five program. But we're literally, you know. we're we're literally lagging behind our own personal expectations. Yes, that's that's my whole point. So NIL, take it out. We are still playing the game the way you do old school, which is we should be playing money ball. We have to be playing money ball where you you are finding better gets. You're you're doing better money scouting. Ball is called recruiting, right? Right. And that's and hopefully what he's doing. We don't have it seen is. it yet. We haven't had the chance to see if his recruits are panning out. We saw flashes from skillings. We don't know about Reed and stop writing Reed off. I heard people saying oh, they yeah. want to come on. The transfer. Yeah, get the hell even, out of here. He's a freshman. 
it, that goes back to the same thing I'm saying about Victor Lockin. Look, folks, stop it with the immediate results, especially with young players. Let these guys develop. And thank you. Frankly, one of the few joys you can still get out of college sports is actually watching a guy come to your university, stay for four years, watching that natural progression where they take these incremental leaps, first year, second year. And then, like we said with Trey Scott, all of a sudden light bulbs are going on and the guys are becoming all conference players and leading you to 25 victories and an NCAA tournament berth. That's the ideal outcome in college basketball. That's what we want more of. And so you do have to give guys like Josh Reed opportunities to develop. You have to give skillings the leash to make mistakes, which he made a fuck ton of mistakes this season. But you know what? That guy figured it out. That guy started figuring it out. He took less bad jump shots. He finished around the rim remarkably well. His defense was less atrocious. And his three-point shooting actually showed to be pretty solid when the shot selection improved. Again, there's 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 a reason to let some of these young guys develop without writing them off. What I'm saying, Hummer, and what I think a lot of Bearcats fans are saying is all season, all season, a a non-insignificant portion of people excused what we're seeing on the court, despite the fact that it was very obviously a coaching performance that left much to be desired, in my opinion. And they blamed it all season on talent. And we have opportunities to potentially make moves in the portal. And there's we, we're okay with just running it back because experience and maybe the future. It's like a Sam Hinkey hustle from the Philadelphia 76ers. Like everything's for the future. We're just acquiring draft picks. We're well, acquiring four, open roster get, spots. You get four years. You get four, four years at most. Sorry, five years. Sorry, super senior. Red shirts, six years, whatever. You get four years at most in a normal on an out of a normal player. Four basketball playing years out of a player. You get two out of a transfer. This isn't trust the process and build for the future. College basketball is always it's build for the future and build for the now. You have to, and it's a balance between the two. This difference between NBA is that you can sign guys to long-term contracts. You can't do that in college basketball. If you go and go out to the transfer portal, it is in fact a one-year rental. It is, you are sacrificing the future for now. So you have to balance it between recruiting and portal. And right now, I think that's where we're at. It's in the middle of this cycle with what we're doing is recruiting and portal. If we're bringing back these players, I'm just not upset about it. I don't, I'm not upset about it. If next year is a struggle, fine. I'm not upset about it. I'm excited to see that we're going to have Reed, Skillings, Jizzle, Ravon, Day Day. Those guys, right? Well, Day Day for two years, but those are the future. That is how we can tell if this team is actually going to be good four years from now, is how those four players develop. If they don't, then we know. It's time to move on. I tend to think, honestly, that was a fantastic mental exercise to go through. And it all started by asking the question, panic or don't panic. And despite how some parts of that conversation might sound, I am in the camp of wait. It's way too early to panic in terms of the transfer portal. And I think when you look around and see how many portal guys are showing up with Cincinnati as having interest, 
I do think there could be an element to this of let me see what I can actually land before we make any definitive choices. I agree with that. And like, you know, some people don't like the feeling of, you know, air quotes running guys off. I I would say that there's several guys on this team who have, who have played four years at Cincinnati. Like they've had great experiences here. We should have honored them on senior night. We didn't. If, if Westman is not, not doing it that decision. way, he it's might be college, doing it. Man. It's college. He might be he might be doing it the way where you just recruit over the top of them and and then force the the, the issue after that. So I don't know. It's that much prettier. I, it's it's still an ugly game, but I think if you want a coach who's going to win at the highest level in Division One college basketball, those guys are cutthroat. They really are. They're cutthroat. You know, and they might be, but here's one thing that I. Ugh. I'd like to just see us do it in a way that allows us to sustain it year over year and not have four or five transfers every year. Let's just, let's see if we can do it. I'm fine with that. I'm fine if that's what it takes. And if it doesn't work next time around, we can try it the other way. It's not, I don't think I'm advocating for four or five transfers though. That's what we're, that is what we're, how many are we advocating for this year? We need three significant upgrades. So we're we're doing three. <laughs> How many of those players that we're asking to transfer? One one was was Landers now, or sorry, not Landers, uh, Jared Hensley, who played By the nothing. Way, I, we're talking I, about two significant contributors of minutes, and you're saying we need to find two 30 minute guys, twenty to thirty minute guys, who are upgrades. There's thousands of players in the portal, and. If there is a position on the team that we have the ability and to... And we are the 56th best team, according to Ken Palm. And we do not have a top 25 budget to go out and get them. Two hot takes. A, Landers Nolly isn't going to be that hard to to replace through either a... Com- probably a combination of mostly through Daniel Skilling's development. I think Data is going to... My hot take is Data is going to replace him. Day-day's production will replace him. I like that. B, any any Ken Palm movement in the rankings after the conclusion of conference championship weekend doesn't matter. And you shouldn't look at it and you shouldn't pay attention to it. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. (laughs) But that's my hot take. Day-day, we have replacement for some production on the roster already. I'm worn out. I'm tired. That That was fun. I'm psyched about this season. Can we get to November already? <laughs> Hummer, we'll come back with some more content in the near future. Um, we're going to be having the councilman, Mr. Barnett, back on the podcast soon to talk through some football. The man was basically live discording practice in the in the Catskiller Social Club, which was, to me, like a top two performance so far in the discord. It's probably top one. It was, it was a remarkable effort. Shout out to the councilman. We will, we'll be getting him back on the podcast soon. I am openly efforting Justin Williams. He doesn't know it yet, but I am efforting Justin Williams and that, and that text is coming shortly. Um, Besides that, anything, any final thoughts? If we can get Justin Williams into the discord, he needs to, we need to, us as 
as a social club, our goal needs to be to have Justin Williams quote us in an article in terms of like representing the fans, like a poll from the fans taken by Catskiller Social Club says X. I like that. I like that a lot. Look, let's leave it there, buddy. Let's go, Bearcats. I'm seriously actually super psyched about November for next year. I'm not going to wish this year away, but God damn it, I'm excited about Bearcat basketball. I love thinking and arguing and talking and hooping Bearcats basketball so much. Cheers, buddy. Cheers.